93.7 Express FM. Hello and welcome to another coronavirus special podcast. On the show this week, we spoke to Amanda Martin, the president of the National Education Union. We also chatted about a new Flying Start program that has been devised by colleges across Portsmouth. We chatted to Francis Millen, deputy principal of Portsmouth College, all about that. We had leader of Portsmouth City Council, Gerald Vernon Jackson, on the show. And a little bit later on also, we speak to Jonathan Moore, who is organising a virtual event for Victory in Europe Day that takes place this Friday. As always, if you want to get in touch with the show, if you have a question or a query or a concern that you would like us to answer on future episodes, you can head to uh, the website expressfm.com or email me robbie at expressfm.com. We will uh, start this evening then by chatting to our first guest, who is Amanda Martin, president of the National Education Union. Amanda, good evening to you. Hello. Well, well, Good afternoon. Welcome back, I should say. I should, we had you on. Um, we had you on our first coronavirus special, Amanda. I remember it back in uh, uh, sort of near the beginning of of March. I think it was a few days before the lockdown, actually, wasn't it? And um, I remember it was obviously a time of of much uncertainty for for all of us and much uncertainty for our schools. Uh, in the in the last couple of months since we last spoke, it, it, are things feeling more settled in terms of schools, in terms of teachers? First of all. I think that we have gone through a phase of feeling more settled. You know, I'm proud of my union helping to fill in the gaps because, like you say, we were just given schools are closed and then the information came out in kind of drips and drabs, really. Mm. Um, So we did enter a phase, I think, of reaction and, and finding the best way to make sure that we could keep those vulnerable pupils and key worker kids absolutely the right thing in school and colleges. Um, And we seem to have, have, have... sorted that with platforms um, for children's learning and some schools photocopying and sending information out and free school meals vouchers eventually coming through. There have been some difficulties that many, many teething problems. And it seemed to be we were kind of on a level playing field. And then you see in the media all the scepticism and comments of reopening schools, um, which has caused us some huge amounts of concerns. We launched a petition last week and as of uh, you know, today, we've got 390 plus thousand people have signed that to say you cannot think about reopening schools until it's safe to do so, until the um, the college, ha- uh, you know, the the public have a confidence in that decision. Well, sure, sure. Surely the media will always speculate, though, won't they? And, and, and I mean, that's a, a probably another issue. But for, in terms of what we've heard from the government, we haven't really heard much hint of reopening schools in the near future. Or, or is that something that you, you, you think is the other way around? Um, we, no, the, the government has come out and said categorically that, um, you know, we won't, we won't reopen schools until it's safe to do so. I guess our fear is that they close schools with very little notice. We don't want to have that, that we open schools with very little notice. And we mm. feel, you know, we aren't scientists. We're, well, some of us are if we're science teachers, but we aren't scientists. Um, and we think that, I mean, the NEU are calling for five tests to be completed um, because we want detail, we want information, um, and we want evidence and to, to give us confidence if, if and when or when we are due to open so as far as students and, and sort of parents maybe that are listening to this go, they, they, they should surely assume the same, you know, in, until something changes from the government's point of view, of course, that they should assume that, that teaching is going to go on in the same, same manner that it is and it has been for the last few weeks. 
Yeah, absolutely. Until we hear something uh, concrete from the government, they should absolutely assume that. Um, if they have a fear, they should look at signing petitions and, and you know, having conversations with, with local MPs and dispelling any myths about that. But, yeah, they should assume until we hear from the government that we are reopening to more pupils, because remember, we have been open the entire mm. time, um, that, that it's going to be continuing as it is. And it's a, it's a strange situation with... The fact that, as you mentioned, some schools are open and for those schools that are, I mean, all schools are open, but, you know, there's only a certain amount of pupils that are attending school at the moment. Um, how is, from your experience, how are those schools operating that maybe have more than other, uh, other schools of pupils attending at the moment in terms of keeping social distancing and, and actually managing to, to keep some form of structure if teachers are, you know, then having to self-isolate and whatnot? How's that working so far? Well, I think that, that actually the profession have done an amazing job. Um, we have put in immediately staff rotors, which means unless you are in contact with, with the pupils, you shouldn't be in school. You should be working from home. And there's plenty to do from home with regards to lessons and, and you know, looking at the various things that go on in school. But actually, rotors have been put in place. There's curriculums put in place. There's so many things uploaded online for, for our pupils to be doing. I know phone calls are being made home to check on pupils to make sure that they're okay in a well-being element and to see if there's anything that the school can be doing more. So I think that actually, you know, it's not an ideal situation. We miss our kids as much as they miss being in, in school and college as well. But I think that, that we have done a really good job and, and anyone who has concerns as a parent, I suggest that you, you let your school know if there's something that's concerning you or if there's an issue, um, and we can help to solve that. And how are schools dealing with uh, the, the communication aspect? Because we're going to hear a little bit later on about um, in Portsmouth about a, a programme that's been set up called the Flying uh, Flying Start programme for Year 11s that are maybe uh, want some mentoring as to how they're going to you know go on to higher education and things like that. Is it is it sort of a, a, a blanket approach at the moment to to how schools communicate with with their pupils and with their the the parents, or is it each school taking it a different situation itself? I think that there can never be a blanket approach in education. I think that's part of the problem we're in. We're in the situation that we're in with regards to some concerns that the union have had with education. I think that always schools, teachers, teaching assistants, school staff, school, school leaders know their communities. They know what their communities need. They know what individual families need. So there has been a varying, a varying degree. We have a set ideal of rotors, of how we get information out to pupils, and you know there's a need to check on their, their well-being. But every school is operating individually. So I know of some schools that are printing the, the free school meal vouchers, for example, for parents and dropping them off. Um, delivering those and other schools are giving support of how you download and do that you know yourself that's just one example um, I know of some schools delivering packs of papers um, with you know with pencils and color coloring equipment to homes um, and I know of, of other schools at the same schools that are delivering online 
Um, my own school, we do an, uh, on Twitter a nightly story to our pupils where some a member of staff reads out the story and, and it's trying to get people to make our pupils feel a part of the school community still. That's an interesting one. You you mentioned uh, on on Twitter there, so that's so so is that something that you can have the pupils interacting with on social media and you know with their school. It might might yeah. My school we've had pupil interaction for a long time on on Twitter where we we put put competitions on and we've got kids to feed into that. Um, you know, people are doing various things. So I know that there's been videos put up on social media of staff singing a bit in their own house and cutting to other staff houses um so a kind of way what we want to do is you know we have to realize that during this time the you know the experience of those of every pupil we have in our schools and colleges is very different some of our kids are going to massively blossom during this time um having time with maybe two parents at home other kids their parents are going to be working and they may have relying on one parent to stay at home because they're fearful of sending them in, even if they are key workers and they're going to be struggling. You know, others are struggle with a no outdoor space. Um, we've got over a million kids in the country with no access to Wi-Fi or devices um, to work off of. So we need to make sure, and I am confident that in our schools and our colleges, we are absolutely doing that with our individual pupils and if if parents are concerned then please do phone and email into your school and leave a message and someone will get back to you and, and have a conversation for how we can support you know it's we go into this job as educators because we love the kids that we teach and that we work with and and I think that that doesn't change in this crisis in fact it heightens more and more and we want when we come out of this at whatever point we're back to fully everybody in school, for our school communities to be the loving communities that they were before this and to be working together and to make sure that our pupils, you know, have had the best possible education. Because when we come back, we are going to be having to working on, you know, we can't expect kids to sit in rows and do SAT testing. We've got to be looking at their mental and physical well-being and to give them time to explore the creative curriculums that we're using more and more of actually during this time. Well, I, I just want to, it's, it's a, a big old question to ask as, 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 as our last question, but I, I just wonder, you know, what you said about, you know, the social media aspect and everything. It does, it really does make you think about, you know, when, when we do in the future move, move on from this, how much, how much change we'll see in education and, and, and the way that the way that things are taught and and the way that communication is between pupils and teachers. I, I, it feels to me like it's something that we are going to see change in the in the not too distant future. I, I think that we will see change. And I think that we have to realise you cannot replace face to face contact with pupils and with education. And I know those parents out there that are really struggling you know, or finding it difficult because they aren't trained to be teachers or teaching mm -hmm. assistants or support assistants. They're all doing their very, very best because they love their kids and they want to keep their kids safe and they want to protect the NHS. But education absolutely has to change after this. We cannot go back to where we were at. Um, you know, we need to make sure that kids have a holistic education, which means an all-rounded education. We, we care about the individual people, which very much is what's going on right now when we're looking at the contact that we're making with our individual pupils. So it has to change. We can't go back to standardised testing of SATs 
We can't have baseline. We can't have league tables. We've got to look at what our communities need in education. Um, and we can see that by the GCSEs, whereby we've gone to teacher assessment, um, because at the moment, most GCSEs are 100% exam. If we didn't have 100% exam, those pupils would know where they were at as they were working through their coursework. Um, so I think we have to make some dramatic changes, but for the better. Mm. Well, I, I think it's one of the it's one of the many aspects that is is sort of fa fascinating in the sense of understanding where it might be in the future and what changes might come um, yeah. from a global pandemic. Listen, Amanda, thank you for for chatting to us this evening. We we, we really do appreciate your time, and we want to send our love and gratitude to all the teachers working hard out there for us at the moment. And, and I echo that back to all of them, all all of the school staff and college staff working well, but also for all of the parents that are being patient aren't trained to do this job but are doing it because they know that it's it they need to keep everybody safe they're doing a wonderful job that is for sure in a in a non-easy time amanda thank you for your time this evening appreciate it no worries thank you very much amanda martin president of the national education union a tough time of course uh, for teachers at the moment and we do send all our uh, gratitude to everyone working hard throughout this difficult time and homeschooling as well it's also of course a difficult time for students and those that should be in uh, or, or we're expecting to be in education at the moment and this is where a fantastic little program uh, has been designed to try and help so Haven't uh, College, South Downs College uh, and also Portsmouth College have all come together uh, to introduce a Flying Start program which is a new online resource dedicated to year 11 students in the city affected by uh, the school closures due, due to uh, COVID-19 and it's an impartial website built for young people who need to plan and prepare for their next steps. To talk more about it we've got the Deputy Principal of Portsmouth College on the line Francis Mullen. Francis good evening to you. Hi, hi Robbie, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm intrigued to talk about this. Uh, Francis this seems like a, a life resource as much as an educational one this program that you've devised. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, so we've been working um, in collaboration with uh, the local authority, Highbury College, Haven and Southend's College, and also the Southern University Network uh, to put together the Flying Start programme for uh, pupils in year 11 um, to help them make that progression, you know, for life, study and work after school. And what position, what position do you sort of have year 11s in, in in mind of this program when you when you just sort of decided to make it and to devise it what what position are year 11s in at the moment because i suppose they would be going on to to exams and and things like that and they've yeah. all been cut out yeah so i'm um, obviously uh this time of year there would be you know all that hard work that we'd put in in terms of then uh sitting their exams so the final year of their education has been really different to what they were expecting it to be uh, so obviously all of our partners, we were just really conscious um, that, you know, in, in these kind of times, not having that focus on uh, something that is positive and helping them develop for their next steps, you know, was really uh, vital. So in terms of whenever we're able to return, you know, back to college or when apprenticeships uh, start again or, you know, students or people's getting into um, employment, it's really important that they have that focus so they can work on, uh, you know, skills to get them ready um, and some transition materials as well that are accessible for them. So they're bridging that gap between school ending and then their next step starting.
And what and what support is this sort of in place for? Is it is it the sort of the careers meetings, the sort of one to ones that they get, or is it also replacing uh, maybe sort of the skills that they might learn through revision or taking exams or something like that? Yeah, so there's um, the different steps to it uh, that we've developed on the um, uh, the actual website itself uh, through the Flying Start Portsmouth um, site, which is hosted by Southern Universities Network. So we've put together um, a whole list of frequently asked questions um, for year um, 11s, especially in uh, things like how their grades are calculated, how it might affect the progression. So that's a really useful um, part in there. Um, we then have uh, resources for um, parents and carers. So, yeah, there's like careers information on there. There's um, health and well-being, because obviously in this uh, current situation that we're in, um, there's like really good useful resources that people can access. Uh, there's careers uh, links in there. And then there's a specific aspect that then takes you to um, subject-specific support. Um, so that's then resources are available from um, Portsmouth College, Highbury College, Haven and Southdowns College and their other campuses. So it's it's really multifaceted in terms of um, like a one-stop shop where people can go to uh, in, in terms of that information. But with the subject-specific stuff, that's uh, looking at bridging the gap between finishing Year 11 and then uh, applicants to any of those colleges can look at and make use of the resources and the learning activities and basically getting them that, that flying start. So when we do return back to college, they're in a better position or if they're going to an apprenticeship, they're in a better position as well. Is this sort of I, I swear it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful example of of you know the community and community organisations coming together. Is it also I suppose it's important to uh, it's also almost an important form of homeschooling because I suppose you know year eleven students they may be there. It's not as easy for them to necessarily be homeschooled, is it? Because it's you know it, it's not like you, you know sort of people in the uh, key stage one, key stage two that are, that are maybe are learning slightly more basic skills. So I suppose this is quite important for those people at, at that sort of age at the moment. Yeah, um, and I, I know a lot of uh, the colleges have been having um, requests, you know, from uh, current year 11s in terms of want to get get ahead and make that. Um, flying start in terms of having those materials there so that they can then uh, better prepare themselves. Uh, so li- looking at the resources that, that are available, but there's also aspects on there, uh, things like study skills um, that would be beneficial for them, um, things like communication skills. So obviously, um, whatever their next step might be, so making access and use of those is, is really you know, important um, and just puts them in a better position. Yeah, but you're right, it's a really good example of um, everybody in the community working together uh, to support those year 11s uh, in the city, whatever their next step might be. And from, from your experience, what, what is, how are sort of students faring of that kind of age? Because, of course, we, we've spoken quite a lot on this show about sort of uh, those that are being homeschooled, the, you know, key stage one, key stage two, like I mentioned, you know, they, they may be a sort of a little bit unaware of what's going on at the moment. There might still be a bit of a novelty to it. But a lot of yeah. a lot of people in that sort of stage, year 11, you know, those teenagers, are they're, they're wanting to start their careers. They're starting to really sort of understand more about the world and, and how are they holding up? Yeah, so um, I mean, I can uh, obviously talk from uh, the perspective of our current students mm. who, you know, are in their uh, first year of uh, A-levels or their vocational courses. So we've actually done a survey with them and we've got, you know, a really big response 
in terms of how remote learning and the student support has been for them. Um, and we're really pleased with those results because uh, obviously, you know, uh, as uh, Portsmouth College, we were, were quite heavily invested in our iPads and digital learning. So we were in a really good position um, in terms of when that closure came to be able to then still continue our timetables with our students um, with our two lessons a day. So we're finding that students are uh, still managing to keep up with the work that's been set uh, with their teachers and that they're still making um, uh, good progress with that. Uh, some students are saying, you know, they're getting more work uh, in terms of what they're doing uh, at home. So we keep trying to keep the students busy because we appreciate that that routine is really important for them, you know, in terms of their own mm. mental health and well-being, as well as their progress, you know, if they're going into, say, the second year of their A-levels or a vocational course or, or a technical course. So we're finding the students are, you know, adapting really well. And, and how do you think it'll... Um, how do you think the situation will fare for them in the in the future and going forward? Because of course they're 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 gonna uh, that springboard um, from sort of you know maybe into higher education or into the working world. That's gonna uh, s- suddenly now that's so unknown and there's and you know what yeah. options they'll even be is so unknown. So how how is it how easy is it to try and help them and sort of nurture them when of course no one no one knows themselves when when things will resume or what will resume what will fare well and what won't fare well yeah so obviously we're still um uh engaging and maintaining contact with our students through our uh tutor program in terms of making uh that progression to their uh next step so obviously they're looking at uh, doing personal statements and things like that in a minute to give them again that sense of purpose but a lot of the the skills that they're developing, you know, at home probably are uh, more in addition to the digital skills that they already had. So making access to things like the, um, like Zoom meetings, uh, digital meetings, like organising their time, you know, working really independently. So I think, you know, it's, it, although it's a really difficult situation, I think there's a lot of positives uh, to gain from it too. Um, you know, some students might be also... Uh, uh, working at this stage as key workers and like or supporting the community, uh, volunteering, helping like elderly uh, neighbours, etc. So I think there's like lots of skills that that could come out of it um, in terms of setting them up for the future. And and just finally, France, before we let you go, how can people uh, how can people access this program? And as I know there'll be a lot of parents that will be listening yeah. that will want their uh, sons or daughters maybe to get involved with it. What's the best way to, to find it? Yep, so um, a really easy way to find it um, would put into your search engine, um, Flying Start Portsmouth, and it comes up as Flying Start Portsmouth under sunoutreach.org, uh, and that takes you to that homepage. And then all of the uh, resources are on there. Uh, the links also to the other college website. So our website, uh, Haven't South Downs Highbury College, so it takes you uh, through that. And I would say the FAQs is a really good um, uh, starting point. Um, so it's, it's really, you know, it's really good. Well, it's certainly something that I I know that that students of that age will will welcome at a time of, of yeah. such uncertainty and uh, yeah. and, and worry for many. I, I'm I'm sure I know it's a it's a tough time of your life to go through it to go through at the best of times that sort of when you're going into the real world. So so all yeah, the best yeah, to them and yeah. and no, fr- it's a really fantastic resource. And again, you know, we all we're just really proud to be. Uh, part of contributing to that well th- thank you so much to you and, and everyone that has uh, has worked so hard on it listen francis thank you for coming on the show this evening we appreciate your time
Thank you very much. Express FM. So we're now going to speak to leader of Portsmouth City Council, Gerald Vernon Jackson. Gerald, good evening to you. Welcome along. Good evening. I, I'm sorry I was tied up beforehand. That's okay. No, no, no that's all right. We, we, we did a little switcheroo, Gerald. Um, right. In the last week or so, we, we, we've seen uh, in the news in Portsmouth um, a sort of extended road closure. We'll, we'll start there, down by, um, down by the seafront once again. Yeah. Is, this, is this a sign that people are starting to become a little bit complacent a little bit too early, Gerald? No, I think it's probably the opposite. I think it is that people are going out. The weather's better, so so people will go out for their their piece of exercise. Um, but I think people are becoming very conscious about the need for social distancing, even when they're out and about. So we had people contacting us to say, look, it, going down the seafront, it's quite difficult to keep my two meters away from somebody else, uh, and so people were contacting us and asking for the road to be closed so that it, we didn't get bottlenecks and people weren't pushed too close to each other. Um, so I, I think probably it's just that that, that people are, are saying, look, we need to do this properly, um, and can you at the council help us do that? And... and in- do you think that people so so you think that people are um you know are are, are uh, conforming to to the social distancing do you think that's the same on the roads because i i know we we've had a few messages about a few people concerned and and to be honest myself included because i drive in to come and do the show every day that the roads are uh, are believe me they're a good 10 times busier than they than they have been since i first started coming here during lockdown is that a concern uh, yes um the the the, the amount of traffic on the main roads has fallen substantially on the on the eastern road on the M275 and the mm. M27 etc. Um, it is substantially down. But but as I understand it, in Wuhan, which is ahead of all of us uh, going through this stuff, there, the use of the private car there has doubled now that lockdown's finished because people are frightened about using public transport. And I see the buses. Uh, I, I went out to do our week shopping yesterday. Uh, and I was on Fratton Road, um, and the bus went past. Nobody in it, not a single person. And I suppose that uh, th- th- there's th- there's a double benefit there from people not using public transport, because of course there's there's plenty of, of residents in Portsmouth that won't won't have access to a car, and and therefore yep. it it makes it, I suppose, a little bit easier on public transport yes, to socially yes, distant. Yes. Uh, and. That an interesting point you make as well, actually, that I'd like to pick up on 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 uh, referring to Wuhan and and what we learned there, that, you know, or, or the statistics that you take from there. How much, from a Portsmouth City Council point of view, how much are you looking at the rest of the world and what what other places like China are doing, like maybe other parts of Europe are doing, um, in terms of from local areas, lo- local councils, or the equivalent? We're trying to learn, but but I think we have to be very conscious that we're part of the UK. And we need to be doing the same as other bits of the UK. So it's very much driven by what, by what government policy is. So there are things that we probably wouldn't do, but the government says that we should, we should do things, we shouldn't do others. And we, we follow that very carefully. So, for instance, on Monday we're going to open the tip, um, again, because government said that they wanted all the tips opened. The police have said they don't think it's the right thing to do, but 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 we need to follow what the government's line is to make sure that there's the same response everywhere across the UK, um, so that 
everybody gets the same sort of service and, and, and we're all kind of doing things at the same time. So I think we do look abroad a bit, but mainly we're driven from what the government says. And, and how easy is it to, well, I'm, I imagine it's very difficult, but that finding that balance between what the, if the government's telling you one thing and, and you're being told another by, uh, by, by maybe the police here in Portsmouth, is, what's the, where are you inclined to go necessarily there? Because obviously that's, a, that's conflict. We, we, will, we will open the tip like all other councils. Okay, even so, even if even if the 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 police came to you, because are, are they coming to other councils in other parts of the I, UK? I don't know. Um, I, and, and what we're doing is we're going to open it in a way that allows people to do it in a socially distancing way. So instead of there being space for eighteen cars at a time at the tip, mm. um, there's going to be space for four, because we need to allow people to have space between themselves when they're getting stuff out of their car and putting it into the skips. Um, but that's going to mean that many fewer people will be able to use it. Um, and so people should really should only be using it if it's absolutely vital. Um, I know lots of people will have spent the last few weeks cleaning out the loft and everything else like that, but if you can keep hold of the stuff you want to bin for a while, please do. Otherwise, we're going to have complete traffic chaos in Paulsgrove. And is this what's going to probably be the theme of the next couple of weeks as well with sort of this this gradual ease of yeah. things and and you know the the gradual reopening of things how are you how are Portsmouth City Council set to sort of make their own decisions about how much you can open stuff and 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 reopen stuff so again we need to look at the advice from government always and um, so with schools we'll be driven by what what the government is saying is what is safe I, I think quite a lot of parents even if they're even if schools are opened again, I think quite a lot of parents will say they are not certain that they want to take their kids back yet. Mm. Um, uh, and, and I think we, if we will see a lot more traffic on the roads with schools opening because I think a lot of parents will want to take their kids to school by car if they can. Um, we, will, we will try to get things gradually reopened, but in a way that is safe for people. Um, at the moment, it looks as if Britain's being hit worse than any other country in Europe. Uh, and maybe there wasn't enough testing to begin with. Maybe we didn't go into lockdown quickly enough. Um, but we've got to be very, very careful that we don't relax things, just have another big outbreak, which means we have to go back down into lockdown um, really heavily again. I, I feel it as much as anybody else. Um, uh, my other half is in the shielded group and hasn't left the house for six and a half weeks. How are they finding it? How are how? Well, I mean, up the wall. Sorry? Oh, go. We're generally going up the wall, and I yeah. try to leave the house once a week. Um, and and it's, it's quite dull. Um, I, which, and I really think we need to do everything we can to make sure we don't hit a, a second wave of, of, of infections. And it, it does. It does, and in some way, it does kind of concern me that we, you know, that that Portsmouth might, Portsmouth. Every every city has its own structure. Every every yeah. place in the UK will have is structured differently, has different yeah. uh, layouts and whatever it might be. If every city is going purely off the government, if the government's just saying one blanket policy, yeah. is that is there some worry there that there might be some loopholes? There might be some things that you know will, for example, it might not benefit Portsmouth or might hinder Portsmouth. I think, I think it, it, if we're going to go back to some sense of normality, then we need to do it together. Um, it, it wouldn't be right for us to say that shops could open in Portsmouth, but, mm. 
but other places they wouldn't. They they weren't going to open, or that we were going to tell shopkeepers they couldn't open their stores when in other parts of the country they could. I, I think we probably need to do this together, um, just because then people know what the situation is. Um, so I, I'm sure we will see some some changes over the next few weeks announced by government. Um, I, I I think probably. Um, Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland seemed to be pretty sensible with the with her proposals to reduce lockdown that came out yesterday, uh, and maybe the UK government will learn from her um, and and pick up on what she's suggesting. Um, I don't know, but it'll be a very gradual thing, I think, and particularly for people who are in the high risk groups. Uh, so I think it, it looks as if kids are less likely to get this. Um, but people who have underlying health conditions or who are, who are over the age of 70 are at higher risk. So I expect that for, for younger people and kids, they will be able to be out and about earlier than people who are in the more vulnerable groups. Is, is that uh, another one? I mean, I know I, I completely understand and appreciate that any, you know, and there are always risks, whatever, there are, nothing in life is, is zero risk. But mm. with, with sort of, you know, only opening up to certain parts of of the population there's surely going to be some potential conflict there and there's surely going to be some form of of worry for a lot of people as well yeah and 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 there is now there's not there not everybody is is keeping their two distance from everybody else Mm. um but but the important bit is that the vast majority of us are and that means that the chances of the virus then being spread to other people is significantly reduced um, and we just have to remember what it's like. I talked to somebody two days ago on the phone um, who lost lost his partner to this virus and and was in tears on the phone to me. And you you don't want don't want to wish that on anybody. Um, and so I tried to tell youngsters who who are wanting to be out and about more that they need to think about their grandparents' health as well, because if they pass it on to their grandparents and their grandparents fall ill, then that's that's a huge responsibility that, that's been given to them. So I think we just have to work together to make sure that we get through this. But, but I don't think we can, we can do it on our own. We can't have a Portsmouth opens up and the rest of the country doesn't or Portsmouth keeps closed and the rest of the country opens up. We have to do it in step with everybody else. Well, I'm sure. I definitely know that Portsmouth keep clo- keeps closed and everyone else opens up. We cause a bit of chaos in Portsmouth. Uh, knowing, knowing the locals as we all are. Um, I just want to touch on one thing before we let you go. We we mention it pretty much every week. The testing. Uh, of course, we we heard Matt Hancock on Friday. I think it was that uh, announcing that the, the government had met their target of yep. over a hundred thousand tests a day. With Boris Johnson today hinting that he'd like it to go up to two hundred thousand as well. Um, for, how much of how much support does Portsmouth get of that? Say say one hundred thousand. How is it monitored and how is it sort of balanced across the UK? So the tests at QA um, being done at QA, um, and that's been I think quite effective. Um, and QA have been very kindly offering some tests to people who work in care homes and other places where they're vulnerable to be able to go to QA for that. We've got the testing centre down um, at Titner as well. And they've done more, um, they've been able to get through more than the ha- they had expected. So 
So they were doing, meant to be doing about 400 a day. I understand that the weekend they were getting through 800 a day. So, so they really ramped that up. But that, that has to cover the whole of Hampshire and Portsmouth and Southampton. So that's 1.4 million people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the proportion of people being tested in the UK is very, very small um, and significantly lower than, than other places. Um, it's good that they're now doing testing in care homes of the residents. For a while, they wouldn't test the staff at the same time as testing residents, but now they've seen, and, and very sensibly seen, that it, it's a really simple thing to do. If you're going to test one group of people in a, in a home, test the staff as well. So that's happening. But there's still some problems. So, for instance, we had um, we had tests delivered to one care home in the city where there's been no outbreak, um, and another home where there's been a very severe outbreak has had no testing. So we asked if we could move the testing from the place which had no out, and no people uh, looked to had any symptoms to the place where lots of people did, um, and the government said, no, we couldn't do that. And I think there is some bits of it that still aren't working very well. Okay, we'll leave. Just, well, just quickly, actually, to give twenty seconds. How how would you like to see it improved? Oh, I think there needs to be massively more testing. It needs to be available for everybody. Um, it, it, it needs to be available for when people want to do it as well. Um, so the testing facility down at Tipner um, is a good start, but it needs to, to deal with many, many more people than they're dealing with now. Uh, we need places like that all over the country. Um, but with a bit of luck, um, not organised as it's been there, they got the postcode wrong, so everybody ended up in the wrong bit of Titna. Um, and so we had to put street signs out because um, they were ending up in a dead end. Um, so it, the government just needs to work a bit better at, at understanding local circumstances and working with councils a bit better. But we have to have more testing. It's, it seems as if that's the bit that's just really our government hasn't got right where places like Germany has got much, much better. Many more tests, many, many fewer people dying. Okay. Thank you, Gerald, for that. We're, we're, go on, sorry, do you have one? No, 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 I'm just going to do keep well, keep safe, um, and we just have to get through this. Thank you, yes, and, and you, Gerald. Sorry to cut you a bit short there. Thanks again for your time this evening. Bye. Express FM. Victory in Europe Day, generally known as VE Day or V Day, uh, is a day celebrating the formal acceptance uh, by the Allies of World War II of Nazi Germany's unconditional surrender of its armed forces on Tuesday, 8th of May 1945. So, of course, this Friday will mark 75 years since that day. And, of course, since the uh, situation of COVID 19, event organizers have been trying to arrange a virtual event that was meant to be happening in Leon Solom. We've got uh, one of the organisers, Jonathan Moore, on the line. Uh, Jonathan, it's been a busy week for you, I imagine. It's been very busy. Um, it's been a combination of you know, nine months plus worth of work, but the last two weeks have been really busy, actually, because we had to change tack. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to ask, when was it that, that you sort of realised that, that what you'd been planning for, for this coming Friday was, um, was probably going to slightly be a bit different to how you envisaged a little bit different um it was actually the 21st of march um obviously we've been watching all of the um developments with the government and covid19 and um listening to the right information and um listen to the to the bodies that we um we you know not report to but we listen to uh, on advice and um, yes yeah, so it was the 21st of march that we uh, made the decision collectively to um to postpone the event um, from this weekend, so the live event, um, as in as in actual people getting together, was you know was postponed. 
What I noticed though is that a lot of uh, a, a lot of sort of what you've got going on this Friday anyway is still. Yeah. So you've still you've still have you managed to transfer quite a few things, even though it's not the same event. Yeah, I mean we've just had to sort of like rethink about it on our feet, to be honest with you. So um, we always thought in our mind that even though we postponed, that we would have something happening on the Friday, but um, and that was some physicalness. But obviously, with the lockdown happening, you know, sort of six weeks ago, put put stem to that straight away. So we had to think, how can we take this event online? So we just made a call to all of the artists who were performing for us, obviously, in Lee on, on this weekend and asked them, what do they think? And um, the problem was, was that several of our artists were groups. So these guys and girls don't really have that experience with all the apps of so if you've got four people in different locations how Mm. do you stream those together and and merge a very good sound some of them have been able to do it and some of them you know haven't got the quality that they would expect to do so so where we've um, been been successful is with our singers who are singles um so soloists and um, duets so we've got a couple who is actually a um uh, a duet so they live together so they're able to be able to oh to wow and sing together so so we've got you know a really good lineup to be honest with you they're all known in the area for the 40 set um of you know of that wartime music and you know vintage sort of 30s 40s you know 50s and 60s music as well but a good set of singers that will give us a a good shout for the day where people will hopefully um, keep themselves entertained well, I, I think it's going to it is going to be that, isn't it? It's going to be a day of entertainment, and it's a it's what we've we've mentioned it on the show a lot about you know the sort of the radio being a gentle distraction, and this is going to be a similar thing, isn't it? It's going to be a hopefully just a nice subtle distraction for everyone. Exactly, we're not we're not saying that we fit all. You know, we we've we've brought together all the expertise of what we've created as an event, Levy seventy five, and we've put our program together, but we're stitched in other things from other areas as well. So we will be you know tuning into the BBC we will be you know announcing you know and promoting the, the the two minute silence at 11 o'clock um you know all those sort of things we're trying to bring in things uh, there's also a clap for the heroes the 1940 1945 heroes so at 1945 you know at quarter to eight let's clap for our heroes of 45 so mm-hmm. these aren't our 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 ideas these are other people's ideas which I'm trying to bring in so people can you know Stay tuned to the Facebook group page and then do other things around it and just have it playing in the background. So hopefully it'll put a smile on people's faces. And, and you say, you say it's, some, it's a sort of a culmination of ideas. Who has sort of worked on this? What organisations or what groups have sort of had a big input in this? Well, I would say the biggest input is the Lee Residents Association, from obviously from Lee on Solon. Mm. Um, but we have been supported by the Lee Business Association, um, and the Community Association, um, but have also been very, very su- heavily supported by uh, Graham Burgess and John Beavis from Gospel Borough Council um, because they, they've been paramount into helping the advice and also with some sponsorship money as well. So that's been, you know, some supportive money there. Um, it's not a council-driven event. It's, you know, it's a, it's a residence event. It's, you know, people who have come together, a team of individuals that I went out there and, said look guys in the community we need health and safety we need this we need that we need that and um, you know we've been able to bring that together so you know the residents association business association the community associations are the paramount elements um, but we've got the horticultural society involved we've got the scouts 
we've got the tennis club, we've got care homes all, all getting involved. And uh, we even took veterans into the schools, um, the juniors and the infants back in February. So they've been creating pictures and poems and all things like that you now to really stimulate their mind about what is it all about. Um, and um, unfortunately, we were going to be able to we were going to have a, um, a three-day event where they, all that work was going to be displayed, you know, in a, in a gallery um, at the local Methodist church. But that will happen later on when we're able to get together and socialise again. Um, so the package and the planning has just been held, boxed, and it will be contained until we're able to deliver that. So, so yeah, we've, we've, we've gone out to the community and, you know, and I hopefully people will understand what we've been trying to achieve is to bring the community of Leon Sona, but also gospel together. And I, ma- I imagine what people will, will feel from it as well is that they'll, it'll, it'll hopefully give people a bit of a sense of perspective because I know we, you know we're all living through difficult times at the moment, as we know. These are you know in our generation, this is as difficult probably as, as a lot of people have known it. However, you know, it's a strange, it's strange that this has come around, you know, in the middle of it, that seven, you think, think back to 75 years ago and you yeah. think, you think where the, where else, where the world was at that point. It, it, exactly right. You know, it does give you sense of, a, you know, of opinion and sort of statement of what they, what our parents and grandparents were going through, through the war, you know, um, I mean, our chairman was talking to us on on Zoom last week. Was that you know he always wished he was born just after the war, but he, when he was growing up, he just wondered what it was like in the war. And you know, not saying this is anything like the war, because mm. I think you know when you got bombs landing on you and you know all that type of you know treachery things happening. Um, you know, we we've, we've got the pleasure of internet and playing games and all sorts of things, haven't we? Where you know the children were doing chores around the house, and you know, mum were digging the garden and making weapons and things that where mum where the fathers and the brothers are out fighting and unfortunately losing their lives you know so um, I'm not saying you know covid hasn't caused life loss but you know it is a you know it's a different perception but it does give you that thought well you know 75 years ago is quite amazing really but, but hopefully we'll come through it and we will have victory again you know through this um, horrible um, crisis that not just the UK is suffering but the um, the whole world and and that's a, that's an interesting point as well, isn't it? Because we we're not a, strangely there's almost a although it's a terrible time at the moment we're living through there is almost a, a kind of a romance that the the world is not divided at the moment no, and that you know it's, no, it's, no. it's it's kind of really weird to think about that at the moment because normally when we we go through tough things uh, you know as maybe a nation we, you know it's because the world's divided and it's not at the moment it's it's coming together. Yeah, you are. You know, you're right there, um, Robbie. It's um, everybody's got the same same problem, haven't they? They're mm. all trying to come up with the with the same solution, but in a different way or different manner. There's always criticism about, oh, they should be doing that. They should be doing that. But we're all trying to come to a solution of, you know, maximising the you know the, the death rate um, and come up with a, you know, a vaccine and a cure for this disease. You know, um, and um, the, you know this virus, I should say, not a disease. Um, but yeah, as you say, the world is coming together and, and I think it's a changing face, really. It's a bit of a reality check, I think, for a lot of people on how lives are lived. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you think about life is easy and things of that nature and it's quite flamboyant and things, but it gives a little bit of reflection to understand, you know, what is what is necessary in life. You know, do I need to go elsewhere to, you know, travel and go and do this? You know, can I use things locally in my, you know, in my local village, my local town, you know, and, and support the community? So I think, you know, there's a lot of community spirit that has been driven from this um, this crisis and I hope it continues, you know, uh, you know, and, and our vulnerable elderly are looked after, not just because of this crisis now, but it continues further on down the field um, 
all the time. Well, I imagine things like things like what's happening on Friday and the, the events that you've put together will will certainly help people in a you know from a from a sort of mental health point of view. I'm sure it will to sort of give me some welcome relief. So yeah, well, we're we're hoping we're hoping that you know the, the music and the entertainment that we're providing and you know, all the creativity that children are doing and the parents and the you know, the mums and dads. You know, it's amazing what I'm seeing on the Facebook pages, mm. all the colourful red, bright, and blue you know decorations. Um, people are being very imaginative and very creative you know in doing things keeping the children entertained but also you know just having family time you know and as you say you know have a bit of pride um you know britain and um you know fly the flag i should say yeah know. absolutely but um yeah hopefully put a bit of smile on the face there might be a few poundage around the waist by the time <laughs> all the cakes are eaten and all of those sort of things the cream teas are being delivered and everything um but i'm hoping that people will come together as a community as much as they can Obviously, um, ensuring that those sort of social distancing is, um, is you know, is paramountly maintained, and that's one thing. Is um, you know, we did have a couple of uh, people questioning what we were promoting, and and in no way are we, um, you know, promoting any type of gathering of that nature. It's just you know, you stay in your own area, you talk to your neighbours, but farther, further afield, and you know, just enjoy and share the music. And eat cake. There you go. There you go. Eat, 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 eat cake, yeah. Turn the volume up, eat cake, sit back and relax and enjoy. So <laughs> for, the, for, for the plenty of people that will want to check this out on Friday, it's, it's quarter to three, isn't it? And where, where are we searching on, on well, Facebook then, no, actually, Well, quarter to three is one element of it. We, 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 we actually start our event at 12 o'clock. So we, we start at 12 o'clock with a programme of event right through to literally about quarter past 10 in the evening. Um, so all you, all you need to do is, if you're on Facebook, um, just drive yourself to a Facebook group called at VEDay75 at home. And then if you get to that page, just sit on that page all day because we'll stream everything to that page. You don't have to worry about looking for artists or different pages. We'll stream everything to that. Or... If you don't have Facebook, try, go to our website, leev75.co.uk. Go to the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see the Facebook page. Click on that and then go to the group and that will open it up in the browser. And you will not have, you will not have to open Facebook as in, I need a password or a username. It'll just open it up in the browser and you'll still see the event running without having Facebook. So it's running it through the web browser. Fantastic. Well, I'm 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 intrigued. I'm really excited to see how this uh, how this pans out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, a lot of well, thank you for putting so much so much time and and, and effort into planning it for for us all. And um, it's what I enjoy doing. You know, blank sheet of paper, and hopefully we're going to create a lot of smiles on the day. And that's the main thing. I'm sure you will, Jonathan. Thank you so much for coming on the show this evening, and uh, take care of yourself. Yeah, thank you very much, Robbie. All the best. Take care, everybody. Thank you. A big thank you to all of my guests for joining me this week on the Coronavirus Special. Don't forget, if you have a question that you would like answered by our experts in future weeks, you can email me, Robbie, at expressfm.com, and we will be back live once again for another Coronavirus Special Wednesday evening from 6 o'clock.